Welcome, everybody. This is Tim here with REI Uncovered, also Wholesaling PPC here. I'm excited to have Christian Marin on the podcast today. Uh, I basically, just to give you a kind of a backstory, I have never met Christian in person, okay? I am friends with him on Facebook. I've seen his content uh, for a while now, and I really love what you have to say about REI in the business. And I just want to bring you on because I like your perspective. I think we share some similar things, and I think you have a lot of value to bring. So welcome. Yeah. I'm excited to chat with you, man. Thanks, man. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here, man. When you hit me up and you told me you wanted this kind of podcast episode, I was like, it's game on. Like Everybody else <laughs> talks a lot about technical, how to do this, how I made, but you just don't see a lot of podcasts that focus on the actual real truth of what it is, which is not just real estate, but like entrepreneurship as a whole. A lot of people just go ahead and they just think it's like, you know, what we see on social media is like you come in, you, oh, I can flip a couple houses real easy, no money, you get a check and it's like, you know, it's like, I'm going to be a millionaire. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's not that easy. It's really not. It, you, it can make it happen, but it's honestly, I just think a lot of people are given the wrong impression and then they set wrong expectations. And then when they come in, you know, they get crushed. I've been crushed plenty of times, so. I love it. Dude, there's a lot to unpack there, and we definitely will. Um, to get started, can you just give a, a brief backstory of, you know, why you got started in the business and where you're at now? Yeah. So my story started nine years ago, 2012, really. I, you know, 2008 happened. I was a firefighter, and, you know, I grew up listening to what my mom told me, go to school, but I was illegal growing up. Uh, so I didn't really try hard to go to college because there was just no way for me to even get to college. Uh, you know, high school, my, my only options were really either go back to Columbia, which I didn't want to go back to or join the military. Uh, I graduated in 04. So, you know, the war was going on. We were still heavy going crazy. Wow. And, you know, I just don't really want to die or I just, just, I, I <laughs> honestly, I mean, my story from Columbia, like, if you ever watch Narcos, like, I literally lived the Narcos life. So I didn't really want to go back into war and and, and do that because I knew how much PTSD was going to bring me in that. So with that, I ended up becoming a firefighter and a paramedic. One, I could get girls. And two, uh, I really wanted to be an ER doctor was, like, my ultimate goal because I just loved it. So I was like, hey, I still get to do some emergency medicine. Did that. And, you know, I followed it and followed the, the dream that I was told by my mom and that I was just work hard, you'll get a paycheck, you can succeed. And then next thing you know, I got my paycheck. And then I had a kid and then I had another kid and then child support hit and then 08 hit. And I'm like, you know, I found myself at the protesting and like fighting for them to give us a raise that they owed us, right? And it took about three years of this and finally, eventually, next thing you know, we get a raise. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. I come to find out that the raise is $100 a paycheck. Like, that's it. For three years, we fought for $100 in a paycheck. And I was that's like, like a couple <laughs> grand a year, I guess, right? Yeah, it was like a two to $3,000 raise a year. I was like, oh my God. And I saw so many guys that were so excited about that. They, and I was just like, this, this can't be it. Like, I did not just go protest, take my time out, 
do this fight so that the county would give us the, you know, the department would give us the money that we needed. And then next thing you know, I stumbled onto Rich Dad Poor Dad. And that book just completely changed my mind. That's said, where it is, man. I, you know, well, before we started this, I was like, there's an 80% chance this guy's going to say Rich Dad Poor Dad, <laughs> because that's my story. I mean, over half the people I talk to, you yeah. know, that book is, is the origin. So, you know, that, that book completely like blew my mind. And I, and, and it, it, it gave me the, I think that book is so powerful because it gives you the story of the of the poor dad, which is the story that we all thought, go to school, get a college education, you'll succeed. And then you have the story of the other guy who everybody laughed at for so long, didn't succeed. And then all of a sudden he becomes the more successful. And a lot of the concepts and thoughts that go in there is like, hey, you know, you can create your own life. You just don't know. You just haven't been shown. You just haven't been told. So from there, you know, I, I, I was like, that's it. I can make my own life happen. I just got to do real estate. Like um, there's no limit to that can stop my amount of work or my level of work. Like there's no cap, you know, at, at work I'm capped because they're like, Hey, you can work a hundred and give 150%, leave it all out on the field, every single thing, everything. And you're still going to get paid the same amount of money as the other guy. because You guys are the same rank. And that's where a lot of people get discouraged too. So I, I started hustling and I was like, I'm going to just do this, do this. And it took me two years. One, I had no money. Nobody in my family even knew what business was. So I had no mentors. Um, I tried every route, the family, asking family for friend and for money. And if you've ever asked a Hispanic person, an older Hispanic person to take out a mortgage on their house so you can flip a house, they, my grandfather looked at me like I was an idiot. Like, I, I was like, are you there? try and ask me that and so I asked another family friend but in reality you know it's kind of hard because in my family we're all immigrants so we don't have this net my family never had the network to connect to so I never had the network to connect to and all these things were just harder and harder and I see a lot of people is like that are like hey I'm, I'm six months in I haven't gotten a deal I was like I spent two years and I didn't get a deal I spent two years and I didn't get a deal. You complain about six months. You're complaining about you've made 10 calls and you ain't got a deal. And you're like, yeah, but this guy shows it that it's so easy. Yeah, the concept is easy. The work is not easy. You got to put in the work. And so I tried that, man, I, I hit a breaking point. I even tried being a realtor. My idea was like, let me be a realtor. I'll get money. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, they hit me like, hey, you got to pay your realtor fees. It's like 1500 bucks. I'm like, I don't yeah. even have money. I'm trying to do this so I can make money. So I left, you know, I tried Kellen Williams and, and I left. I still remember that day. I left crying. I called my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And I called her crying and I was like, this is just not going to work for me. I'm like, I can't even be a realtor until I pay 1500 I don't have 1500 I don't know where I'm going to get this. And I don't even want to do it, honestly. Like, that's what really, like, affected me because I didn't want to do real time retail. I wanted to be an investor. And I was like, so now I got to spend money on something that I don't even want to do. I had my license and my wife was just like, you can't quit. Like, you're not going to quit. This is, this is your dream. Like you've been doing it for like, just take a deep breath. Like, it's okay. You're going to quit, man. Let me tell you, it's so crazy how the universe works, how God works. You know, the fact that I was ready to quit that same night, I'm scrolling through Craigslist, just looking for like anything. And I end up finding a job for a real estate investment realtor. And I read it and I'm like, we work with investors, cash buyers, all the everything. And I was like, you know what? Like, 
if I'm going to be a realtor, I want to be in this brokerage. Like this is at least going to, I go there and they tell me what they do. And I realize that they do wholesaling. They're mm. like, yeah, we take, we get properties on the MLS on the contract. And then we go ahead and we flip it. This was back in 2014 where you, you could run the MLS and the MLS was just, there was so much inventory. Hedge funds were everywhere. You could sell properties so easily. And they're like, all you got to do is put out these bandit signs. We have the inventory. You'll start mm-hmm. as a disabled person. All you got to do is put out these bandit signs for the properties we have on the board and you get a cut of it. And I was like, that's it. That's all I have to do. I don't have to pay marketing. I don't have to pay this. I don't Nope. They're no like, risk. we're training. I was like, when do I start? Like, when do I start? They're like, you can you start tomorrow? I was like, oh, it's my day off. Man, let me tell you, that was game over. Like, all the energy I had for two years just came in. It took me four weeks. No, it took me six weeks to get my first deal. I was dropping 100 bandit signs a week for six weeks. My, me and my wife would get up, would make the bandit. I would make the bandit signs and I would go drop 40 bandit signs in the day. Just spend all day dropping, come back home, make more band signs and go out at night in the middle of the night with my wife and we drop another 40 or 60 band signs. I was literally going through boxes because they just said, I just got to put these signs out and answer the phone. I was like, that's and all I got. You get a cut of commission, right? I guess of the deal. Yeah. yeah. And then I got a cut commission of the deal. And the first six weeks, first deal. Next week, two deals. And after that, it was game over. I, I hit my first six figure year. Then the next year, um, then I stayed working, learning, and finally, eventually, I started my own company, went and started doing my own wholesaling company in 2017. I started with two partners that I actually met at the wholesaling company, and 2017 was great. First year, finished $300,000 in revenue. Next year, we did $1.4 million, cool. and my mind was blown. I was like, I was so excited. I was like, this is it. I was like, it took me this long. Now, this, this, this was now 2018. And remember, I started this journey in 2012. So for two, for all this time, I just been stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. And we hit 1.4 million and everything went to shits. After yeah. eight, okay. yeah, everything just started crashing. Um, and this is n- now that I look back at it. I mean, when I was in it, it was the worst time of my life. Now that I'm on the other side and I can look back, uh, I realized so many different things, right? So many things that people just don't tell you that you just don't understand in, in business at, at, at its own. So, but I'm grateful for it because in 2019, it forced me to learn how to hire, how to manage, how to train people. It taught me how to, how to build a culture, how to build a team, how to motivate people, how to do sales. Um, like I'm naturally good at sales, but I've never had a sales position. So I didn't really like it. Mm. So the next thing you know, I had to train salespeople. So I started diving into sales psychology, um, you know, how to, how to sell with empathy, just different sales tactics. And it, you know, it, it expanded my knowledge, but it was still not working. Like we were every single month, we would either, you know, I, we would make our bare minimum or just barely above. And the reason for that was because I just, I was just spending money. Like Dude, my payroll alone was $30,000 for all my employees. And it was just my part. One partner moved to California. The other partner was very young. He had never even owned a business. So he had no experience. And these are all things that I learned. So I was doing a lot of the work. I was really running my entire operation. And 
it just beat me up, man. Like the stress level got so high. It was just overwhelming. I got really disconnected from my family. I just, I just kind of just got into this focus of, I just need to fix it, fix it, fix it. Nothing, nothing would work. Then the pandemic hit and we were forced to just come in and be shut, shut down, you know? Um, and when I was inside, just being here, not being able to go out, not having the distractions and things, you know, I just, it's it just like all the trauma that I had from my childhood, everything growing up just kind of like came in, it started just overwhelming me. During that time too, uh, I had a couple of friends that were in, in masterminds with me and because of the pandemic, they're like, hey, I need to switch my marketing around. I can't do direct mail anymore. I need to cut it down. With that, then they went ahead and they're like, can you do cold calling for me? Because you've been doing it so successfully. They're like, we'll just, just, we'll figure it out. We'll work with you. We understand you're going to have some kinks here and there. And I was like, you know what? Let's just start it out. All right, fine. Next thing you know, that's kind of how my um, cold calling VA service just came about. They, they, we started working with them. Next thing you know, people started coming in. We, we started in March by uh, June. We were 21 clients in and it was like, such a breath of fresh air right and so I started focusing on that while also do, taking a break from the wholesaling I decided I wanted to take a break and just shut it down just because I needed to focus on myself and the ups and downs that you get with wholesaling just weren't just I couldn't deal with them anymore I, so that's what a lot of people don't talk about like you know, you could be on Monday, you could be look at it and be like, oh my God, I got a $90,000 week coming. Like I got three deals, four or five deals. Like this is going to be a great week. Dude, you get into the office on Monday, call the title company just to find out. It's like every single deal, this has a problem. This has a problem. This is falling through. It's like you go from 90K to zero in a in an instant. And then the next day you wake up and it's like, oh, we saved one. Okay, some money. Oh, this one I can save. Yo, dude, don't, you don't know how many times I ran that roller coaster of up and down, up and down, deals alive, deals dead, deals alive. You, you, I even ran it multiple times in the week with the same deal. <laughs> like, you know? And that's just a very stressful thing. And I was in a position where I just, I couldn't handle that. And I think a lot of people don't pay attention to that aspect in the business side. You know, like you said, all the, all, all the gurus make it seem like it's so easy, guys. Just go ahead and do a little bit of marketing and call some sellers and the seller's going to want to sell to you. And you just got to, and it's like the concept's easy. The work is not. You actually have to do the work and there's just so many different aspects into running it. So I literally just been spending this entire year, past year, just focusing on myself. I went to Sedona. I've been doing a lot of spirituality thing, learning, med uh, meditating even more. Like I used to meditate every single day, but I've stepped it up to different types of meditations, different levels. And I really worked on my inner self. And this has one made my life happier because i'm present i'm i'm actually with my family i'm actually able to enjoy it i'm actually able to find out what i'm really what works for me and what doesn't so now i've been able to bring my wholesaling company instead of being this big company that i had before i've been able to realize that it's okay i can make more with less right so my team is like really 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 um lean before i had 
four acquisitions guys, two dispo, a transaction coordinator. Uh, we were in four different markets. It, I had an entire team of cold callers of eight cold callers on top of having like four admin people on top of a supervisory team for all. It was, it was such a huge operation. Mm -hmm. And now, mm -hmm. now I just have it to where it's just one acquisitions guy and, 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 I'll either do Dispo or my COO will do Dispo. He mainly does the Dispo for me. And our, our team just, just does cold calling. And we're, we bring in more money now than we did before. Oh, we're more profitable now. We right. brought in a lot of more money, but the operation was just so big. And that's a concept that honestly, I also didn't understand because I, I had never been put in the position to learn those business strategies that you know, so you learn when you go to business school and you learn to do all these things. So, you know, it's, it's a school of hard knocks. You learn by experience. Dude, man, I, I appreciate your story. I have so many questions. There's a lot to unpack with that. I, I appreciate your sharing. And I, I want to dive into it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to back it up to kind of the beginning and then we'll, we'll go now. Cause I, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of lessons here for that can help a lot of people. Um, so you mentioned that so that people reach out to you, like you obviously are in some sense, an, an influencer, right? People reach out to you on Facebook and, hey, you know, you're successful. Uh, you know, I haven't got a deal. What do I do? It's been six months. You said it took you two years. So to, to really like get your your deal, was that in that two years, was that you learning, like you you getting your real estate license and then quitting and then you putting up band of signs? Was that during that two year period that it took you to get that first deal? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it was, it was during the two years I got my real estate license. Okay. Uh, I tried, I, initially I wanted to flip a house. So a lot of it was just, was more, I didn't really learn about wholesale until about a year, a year and a half in towards it. So for, I mean, and honestly, real flipping and wholesaling is the same concepts, right? I just honestly wanted to flip a house. That's what I wanted. So I needed more money. You know, you, I learned about hard money during that time and how to use it, how to leverage. I even, man, I even worked with this like commercial, like this guy was like a, a bird dog for a commercial guy. And so he had us like reaching out on like LinkedIn to people, see if they had packages of like, you know, apartment units that we would learn that we would do. So I learned a lot of our, how to run an ROI, how to calculate cap rate, how to calculate all these things for commercial buildings, like vacancy rates. Uh, and it honestly, even though I wasn't doing deals, I was learning and I never realized how much all that learning helped me out later on because when I started actually doing the deals and talking to investors, I had so much knowledge about cap rates, about ROIs, about rehab costs, about expenses, about rentals, property management, because I had end I ended up learning through two years of just studying all that. So when you uh, started to go out on your own, so you were doing band signs for another investor slash realtor or whatever, and then you, you eventually decided to do it on your own. How long did it take you from when you're like, you know what, I'm going to do my own deal. I'm going to make my own calls and negotiate my own contracts. How long did it take you from that point, from when you, you know, stopped doing bandit signs for, for someone else to getting, you know, your first deal on your own? It took us two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. And I'm not surprised by that answer because, because you already knew what you were doing, right? So, yeah. so let me ask you this. So why do you think it took you only two weeks specifically versus the someone who reaches out to you who says, I can't get a deal. It's been six months. 
What do you think is the disconnect there? Why can you do it in two weeks, but it takes a lot of people six months or even more to get their first deal? Marketing. It's all marketing. So uh, the per, a lot of times the people, it's marketing and sales. And, and I tell anybody that wholesaling is a marketing and a sales business and real estate is your product. That's all it is. So you need to learn marketing and you need to learn sales. And all you're doing is just selling houses. If you're strictly wholesaling, if you're flipping, that's an actual real estate investment company. But if you're just strictly building a wholesaling business, you're really just building a marketing and a, and a, and a sales organization. So when we started, so when, I, when we branched out, each one of us brought $5,000 in. That was it. That's, that's what we started the company. It was three partners. So we had a total of 15. And the reason we brought 5,000 in was because marketing takes time, right? So I, was, I told them, we need a three-month we need a three month marketing budget. Five grand a month for three months. Five grand a month for three months. And that yeah. needs to be allocated, set up. And this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do, we're going to do direct mail and we're going to do door knocking and we're going to do band designs. You um, need three band months. <laughs> <laughs> band designs, not so much. Uh, and we did, and we did PPC. So, okay. and we, yeah. the reason for that is because there's two different marketing channels, right? or two different marketing, you got to think of marketing as a funnel, right? So the funnel at the top is, is really wide. And then you filter it little by little. But in the funnel, you need two different feeders, right? And so you have your two channels, you have a warm channel, and you have a cold channel. And so your warm channels are going to be direct mail, PPC, Facebook ads, Google search, organic SEO. These are warm because these people, every client has a customer journey right so where they're at in the customer journey is really if they're cold warm or hot if they've right. gone through the end of the customer journey they're hot they're ready they've and and i think that's a concept that not many gurus teach not many people understand i don't see youtube videos about that i don't see people talking about in real estate and actually getting into marketing concepts so you got to have two marketing channels in you're cold and you're warm and so that's why I did direct mail and I did PPC because those channels, we, I was like, we need to bring in revenue ASAP. I can't afford to sit there and cold call because cold calling is a colder channels. you got to like, follow up. Right. you got to follow up. you got to, and, and you got to prepare for it to be a few months of just straight up cold calling and following up. And we had a three, we had three months. Uh, I, I needed a very aggressive quick strategy. So we started with PPC and we started direct mail. The first deal that came in two weeks was a PPC lead. It came in, lady was like, I need to, I need to sell this house, called her right away, set up an appointment, locked it up, had it sold. You know, mm. you, this is the perfect opportunity for me to plug my PPC business, but I'm not going to do it. 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 No, no, no. <laughs> Let me ask you, what are you doing? I'm looking for pieces. What do you got? That's funny. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I tell people all the time, like PPC, they're the hottest leads. And a lot of the, yeah, I don't want to turn this into a PPC podcast. I don't, you know, I have other like content for that, but I'll just say that um, the people who don't succeed with PPC don't treat the leads as if they're the hottest leads they're ever going to get. Right. And you need to call them back right away. They're the hottest PPC and SEO, the hottest leads you're going to get, you know, they I'll are. say that that's why, I mean, I built my own business off PPC, like for my wholesaling journey. 
eventually I got to a point where all my deals were coming from online marketing, whether PPC or SEO, because I, I, my follow-up system wasn't great. So that's probably why I kind of had to do it that way uh, anyway, and I, and I enjoy it. So it's not, I'm not surprised to hear you say getting a deal right away with, with PPC. Uh, yeah. Awesome. It, and we, yeah, we can chat about it, you know, if you want down the road, but. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, because I mean, I'm going to need PPC for, for multiple, for some other businesses. And, and I tell people this, you know, you said something really crucial that I don't think people pay attention to. You said you're not good at follow-up. And I think people honestly to succeed in this need to understand who they truly are. Are you good at this? Are you not good at that? I'm good at follow-up. However, I don't like doing it long-term, right? I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at negotiating. But like you said, you're not good at follow-up. So you don't want a channel where you have to do follow-up, right? I see this all the time. It's like, I don't really like talking to people. So why are you doing cold call? Yeah. <laughs> why are you doing a channel that re- literally requires well, you to cold call people? It's because you know? the guru told me to do it. That's that's the thing, right? It's like- The guru said I, it's working. The guru said it's working, right? hundred percent. So yeah, man, what, 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 what else do you have to say about it? I mean, what do, you, what do you think about- So, okay, you got to deal within- a few weeks with PPC, right? And then what happened from there? You just continue to to get more deals that way? Oh yeah, I mean, we just reinvested everything back in. We got that deal, that deal was about 20 grand. So the next month in month two, instead of a $5,000 budget, I was able to bump it up to 10. So that brought more leads in, more deals mm-hmm. in. And for the first six months, we didn't take a salary. We didn't take anything. I just stepped reinvesting into the business. Boom, boom, increasing the market, increasing market. Within six months, we had a monthly marketing budget of around $7,000, $7, which gave me uh, $3,000 for PPC because that was the minimum. Okay. You know, yeah. um, I, Sometimes I see that people, and, and I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to say this, a lot of times people fail because they just don't spend enough money in the marketing channel, right? Which market were you in doing it? Or, or in? Orlando. Oh, that's, that's pricey. <laughs> Orlando's a lot. So yeah, $3,000, bare minimum. Yeah, four hundred dollars a lead was what I was I was paying. You know, yeah, people put the marketing budget at five hundred, and then they're like, "Oh, PPC doesn't work." Yeah, PPC doesn't work if your monthly budget is five hundred dollars and the, the market rate is four hundred dollars per lead. You're not right. gonna, you're, you're getting one lead a month. Mm. You know, um, so yeah, it was it was very expensive. So I saw a Facebook post from you. I was before our meeting. I was kind of scrolling through your recent Facebook post, and you said one here. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you. You said, "Spend no money whole. Uh, a spend no money wholesaler will bring you a no money wholesaling business, right?" Yes. And I and I see this is probably the number one question I see on social media all the time is, "How do I get a deal with no marketing budget?" Right. So, yes. let me ask you this: You do you think that people can get deals without marketing budgets? I do. I do. Oh, I, okay. I, I do. You can't build a business on it. You, you absolutely, mm. if you're looking, if you have a job and you're just looking for a side hustle, which honestly, if you're doing wholesaling with no money down, it's probably the worst side hustle you could be doing because all you're doing is grunt work. You're either doing door knocking, you're doing pen, bandit signs, um, or you're calling for sale by owners. You're not even, you know, uh, I think you can get one deal, but I honestly believe that's the reason why so many people fail at wholesaling because there's so many gurus out there saying, um, hold on, my, my camera shuts off first. Um, there's so many gurus out there saying you can do this with no money down. Let me show you how to do this, the money down. You don't need to spend any money on it. 
And so I believe that's a bad, a bad message to be saying because yeah, Bob down the street might get one deal from, from do, doing bandit signs, but it doesn't also take into account who you are as a person, right? Some people are very good at door knocking. They don't have that fear. They'll go in. Other people mm. can't do it. And so people get stuck in, in a marketing channel. Honestly, anybody that comes in and says, hey, how can I get a deal with no money down? I always tell them, go find somebody else. I'm not going to give you that advice because that's not who I am. And I don't believe that that's how you want to build a business. If you truly want to go into wholesale, you've got to spend money. You've so spend money. do you think someone going, there's there's two approaches that I, I consider. So there's there's the newbie approach, which is, I don't care about building a business. I don't care about anything. I just want to get my first deal and then I'll worry about the business later. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, hey, I, I want to do this in the long run. I want to build a methodical business. I want to put the building blocks down and grow something. Do you think one is better than the other? Or do you think the mindset of, let me just get one deal, do whatever it takes. I got no money. I'm broke. I have no resources. And then I'll worry about the business later. Or do you think it really should be someone should start from the beginning with the end in mind and like shouldn't even try to do it without any money, you know? I think you need to have the end in mind. I mean, what is what is the point if you're just going out here just to get a deal or two, right? If, if you're setting up your, if you set, how you set up your business when you start is gonna give you the long-term results, right? So if you're just starting out your business of, I just wanna get a deal or two, you're not gonna build it. You're gonna screw yourself because what ends up happening and I've seen it is you kind of get, you get into your comfort zone, right? You got a deal. Now you got this. And next thing you know, it's hard for you to expand your mind into another deal. Now, I think if you don't have any money, that's a great way to start. You know, you got to put in the work. You got to grow. I put out band signs to get my first deal and I put out a shit ton of them. So everybody has to do it. I just think you have to plan what's your long-term gain and then work backwards, right? If you truly want to make this into a business, then you need to understand that when you get, you might not have any money right now and you might have to do no deal, no money deals, but you better take that money and reinvest it right away into marketing and and not even spend a dime. Don't go buy a Gucci belt. Don't go buy shoes. Don't go spend it on the club. It doesn't get you anywhere. You're in the same spot three months later. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be back at one and now you're going to have to start and find a new deal again and doing the hard grunt work. So like you did it and you had an opportunity to really scale this and make it into a business by just investing that money into marketing. But what I see a lot of people do is then they just go spend it out. And, you know, I call this new money syndrome. I'm very, I did it. I did it. 100%. Yeah, you, you get that first check and it's like, yo, you've been working so hard. You want to spend it. You want to go out. Like, bro, it was the, when I first started, I would have $10,000 a month and I would still be broke. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? But then I, you know, but you know, I bought a lot of things. I went on a trip and, and it gave me that happiness. But I was, you know, you got to look at your position. I was working for an investor, so I didn't have to spend money on marketing. I knew more deals were going to come for me. If you're just building your business out, and you don't know where your next deal is going to come, you better take that money and start learning what marketing channel you want to go to. And, and, and it's just, it's honestly just what you want to do at the end of the day. Do you want to build a business or do you just want a side hustle here that'll bring you a little bit of money on the side? It's so. really interesting that you said, like, I made 10 grand and I was still broke. And I just want people who like, let's say you're in the business and you've done a few deals and like, you're struggling to, you know, turn a profit into like really, you build your net worth. There's so many posts of people on Facebook who are posting like big checks or, or whatever in this, 
but you just don't know what their profitability is. And, and, and like people, like you're saying, like they, they, maybe their revenue is big, but their expenses are just as big, if not bigger. And I feel like there's like just a lot of misleading information out there where people, it's very easy to look like you're making a lot of money, but it's usually like out of context, right? Um, and you don't really know how much money someone is saving and how much they're actually growing their business. And I'm just saying this for, to make the point of like, don't feel bad. Like there's no shame in, in the struggle of it a little bit, right? It, like Christian's successful, like he, he knows how to run the business and he still had times where he wasn't profitable. You know, same for me. Right. Uh, so there's no point in feeling bad and don't always trust what you see on the internet because it can be a little bit misleading. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, being like an influencer in the industry and being in the masterminds, I got to know the real behind the scenes of a lot of people, even if I didn't, you know, a lot of people would be able to tell you, oh, this is the real behind the scenes of it. And I'll be honest with you, man. There's a lot of people that you think are successful and are killing it. And then when you actually get to see behind the curtains, it's not what you, it's not what they make it seem. It's not what they make it seem at all. You know, uh, there's success and then there, and there's honesty, right? You can be successful and have a business and then admit that you're still going through struggles, right? So for example, right now with my, with my cold calling business, we're rebuilding because we had to switch dialers. Our dialer crashed on us that we were using at the beginning of the year. And then we had to find a new dialer, which caused us to use reserves, to cause us to use everything that we had to make a quick switch for the long term of the business, right? Doesn't mean that my business sucks. It just means that we had to make adjustments that were unexpected and it's part of business, right? We're still producing, we're still here, but we're not as profitable as we were before because we got to recover, right? And I think, you know, yeah. my, CEO, my COO, he, he comes from um, being vice president and, and president and a big company. So he's worked for a lot of uh, marijuana dispensaries. He's worked for a lot of, He's worked for uh, prison transport companies that that were millions and tens and twenties and fifties millions, and he brings a lot of concepts that I've never learned from the executive side, right? So one day, you know, when we made the change to the to the uh, to the to the dialer, he's like, "Yeah, this is going to be about a six month change," and I'm like, six months? Why not, man? He's like, "No, no man, six months." <laughs> I'm like, "What six months?" I'm like, "No, this is just quick change. We'll recover fast." He's like, "No, this is going to be about a six month change for all this." And he he gives me stories about like, "Hey, at the dispensary, we just made a pivot, and it's an eighteen month pivot. Like they expect eighteen months to change." So when you start learning these concepts about how big businesses really work and how they make changes, you start realizing that. It's just what's, what people show on social media isn't always the truth. And there's a lot of things. And I, I, I was one of them. I, I was generating, my minimum burn rate was $65,000 a month. And we were still either hitting it or we were either breaking even or just barely passing it every single month. And some months we would go short, right? Uh, and so then the next month you had to recover and, and use some of the profits. And so that's kind of what really beat me up and down was just, I didn't, I wanted to have this huge organization. I be, And part of it was because I hit it, right? In 2018, we hit it. Everything was flowing very easily. 
but we were even not as big as that. And so I wanted to keep that going. And it was like, go big or go home. Like keep dumping money, keep dumping money into the business, keep growing, keep expanding, keep expanding. And, you know, I didn't have anybody on my side telling me, Hey, pull back a little, pull back. Here's how to run business. Like here, business, business principles, right? Yeah, exactly. I was on my own. I mean, I'm I'm a fucking illegal immigrant kid from from fucking Colombia figuring out business by my own you know and it's just like and those and those are so many troubles and tribulations that nobody shows on social media that's why I constantly post it and it's like I tell people like this is the real behind the scenes you know it that's why we're doing this podcast right now and talking about this because this is the real reality and I think that would motivate more people than to just sit there and have this expectation of it's it's, yeah, I decided I want to do wholesaling. So I just got to call some for sale by owners. Oh, I call three people. I got a deal. I'm, I'm killing it now. And it's like, you got lucky. You know, I, a lot of times right. like, <laughs> I'll get a, a new acquisitions person come in and first week, boom, get a deal, big old deal. And they're, they're flying high. They think they're, they're killing it. And the first thing I'll always tell them is you need to focus back on your calls and your follow-up because you're going to take about three months to really do that learning curve. And what you just got is just, you just got, because of my, I tell them it's not because of you. It's because of my systems and processes. You, you know, you are a seat in a cog and the cog was moving along and you just plugged right in. Doesn't mean you're not great. You have the potential to become great. Just don't get focused and, and turn down the throttle because you got a first deal and get cocky. I was like, this is a one-off. This is not the normal. Not a business. It's not, not a business. business. No, no, not it's business. not a business. Mm. So. Dude, to sum it up for me, like in order to be successful long-term in this business, you have to treat it like a business. There's no way around it. And I and I just see so many people like on social media posting, like, how do I get a deal without any money? Or like, how do I get my next deal? And it does work. Like you can get deals by hustling, but there comes a point where you've, you have gotten deals, but your lack of business mindset or lack of business experience will catch up to you. It will catch up to you. It caught up to you. You were doing a million dollars like in gross and still weren't even making that much money. Can you believe that? You know, he no. put in so much fucking work to get there and he still wasn't that profitable because you didn't have the business skill set. And I'll be honest for me as well. Like I got to a point where I, I was doing well and I was working probably 20 hours a week and my wholesaling business got me what I wanted, but I didn't know what I was doing. I blew through all the money and then it was unsustainable. And for me, that's one reason why I pivoted. Um, I wised up. I started treating like a business. I I cut down a lot of my expenses and then I pivoted as well to have a, a marketing agency because one, it's a business that I enjoy. Like you were saying, it's, you know, do what it works for you and your personality. This was an opportunity that I, I really enjoy, like sitting on the computer and stuff. So, you know, it really works for me. And now I I am treating it more like a business with, you're talking about burn rates, managing your finances, leadership, all the, I mean, there's so much that goes into it that you need a hundred podcasts, you know, for, but it's <laughs> once you, you need to have that mindset shift or else you're never going to be successful in the long run. And that I just, it's like a virus, you know, I know that's probably a bad time to say that, but it's like a virus in, in our industry where people are not treating it like a business and, yeah. and the, and it's being perpetuated by the incentives of like gurus, right? Because when you're selling a course, you're just trying to sell someone on getting their first deal. And you don't need to have a business mindset to get one deal. You don't. 
so people can spend money on a course and they can get the one deal. Then they'll give the guy the testimonial, but a year later, you'll never see that person again, or two years later, you'll never hear from them again. Right. Because they didn't learn business. And then they end up crapping out because they blow all their money or overspend their marketing or whatever it was. Right. So I, I'm a hundred percent agreement with you. And I would like to chat a little bit about your, um, your business that you said you was like grossing over a million dollars at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back now, what do you think you should have done differently? You know, it, it would there, I know you did scale back here, but at, at that point, looking back, what do you think from a business skill set perspective, did you do wrong or you could have done better at that point? <sighs> what? <laughs> I think <laughs> the better question is what I did, right? <laughs> That's a smaller list. Okay, That's okay. a smaller <laughs> list. <laughs> what I did wrong was just so many things. Okay. So first, uh, I didn't set up proper expectations with my partners. I didn't know my partners long enough to mm-hmm. understand who they were and what their level of work ethic was. So that is one of the biggest mistakes I made because what ended up happening was I had to sp- we, we split profit between three people evenly. We were equal partners. However, I ran the marketing, the acquisitions, the overall operations and the future growth of the company. The other partner kind of was just more of a support person. And then the other partner was kind of doing his own thing. He was old. He's, he's older than us. He's a multimillionaire, very successful. So he kind of just brought more of just overall, just older experience, but it wasn't very helpful either too. Mm. So two hands off. Yeah, way too hands off. I mean, he, yeah. way too hands off. Uh, I would, you know, he was good to get some concepts, but it was very wax on, wax off. So you kind of had to figure it out yourself. <laughs> yeah, not, <laughs> not so, very practical. Wax on, wax off doesn't like. Okay, but what does that actually mean? You know. Yeah, and then, so I had to. I was like, okay, where are you? And then you know. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest mistakes. Second mistake, I I got stuck to growing too fast, right? So, um, instead. What I've learned in business is it's not a, you can't do a constant straight up growth. You can't just constantly feed growth and feed it and feed it and expect to just always grow. Sometimes you can feed growth and not have any return from it. So Mm. that's one of my biggest mistakes was I would just see it and it's like we would have a great month and I would just increase the marketing because I correlated as, if I increase the marketing, that will bring more deals, which will bring more revenue, and we need to grow, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. I mean, my makes sense. And then the other thing I I needed to learn was there is caps to each industry, and I never knew that. I mm-hmm. never understood that. Wholesaling has a cap in its own. If you truly build just a wholesaling business, it has a cap on its own. And like revenue cap, you mean like how yeah, much like money re- you can make? Yeah, like That's a revenue right. cap. Uh, you, it, it around a million to to three million is is the cap on wholesaling. So I would have expanded into flipping. So that was another thing. The older partner, he became a man, a millionaire by flipping houses. He had flipped over five hundred houses. Was he was burnt out on flipping, so he would he didn't want us to flip. So that was the problem was I want a lot of times I wanted to take a lot of the investment and instead of doing that, expanding into actual rentals and flips and doing it, 
he didn't want to do that because he didn't want to flip. Mm. So what was left, we were stuck with a straight wholesaling operation. And that's what we built was just a straight wholesaling operation. You didn't have the skills to do flipping, right? I mean, we, we would do, I would, I eventually took my own profit and did my own flips out of my own self or, and eventually it took, it wasn't until 2000, uh, late 2018, when we finally, we had been in business for almost two years and finally got him to say, okay, let's do a flip. Right. Mm -hmm. But I will, if I could go back, I would, I would have expanded when the wholesaling kind of started going good and started generating, instead of it just investing that into marketing, I would have taken that and just bought a flip here and there or bought a rental here and there and expanded on that side. Um, so that was one. Okay. A couple things. So, so why is that? What, what, what's the reason that you would have, you know, shift, is it like, um, cash flow risk type of type of thing? Is, is that what you're talking about? Is managing your expenses more and like buying flips because it has more of a, a higher revenue, but it's kind of a slower return to, to balance out the wholesaling. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So, so you remember I said wholesaling is a marketing and sales or business, right? Right. So when we were flying high, we had a great team, but what ends up happening in any business is that you're going to have people eventually leave or eventually people start not producing as well. Okay. And so what ended up happening was we ended up having a little bit of turnover Our and, and our top acquisitions person left, right? Because mm. that's another thing that you end up running into wholesaling is you train your competition. So she was like, hey. himself. I mean, that's what you did, right? They taught you how to do it with the band of signs and you went and go do it yourself. Same yeah, thing. so I can't fault people, but you right. got to be, you got to expect it as a business owner. You got to expect it. And so- you know, um, come December 2018, we had just finished our best year. I'm planning for 2019. One acquisitions manager comes in, the newer one says, hey, man, I got, I'm going to go do this on my own. It's New Year's, start New Year, right? I'm going to do it. It's best time. I got to take the risk. Like, so he's no. gone. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, cool. We still got the top producer. You're newer. Good. Next thing you know we start hearing rumors around the office that she's doing deals, trying to get things on the side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when that starts happening, people start stealing your leads and different things. So conflict of interest, yeah. we got to, we got to just let you go. So in one month we left both people. And so what ended up happening was the reason I say I would have expanded into flipping was because instead of taking that money, because what ended up happening was my partner put me, put us into a position where we, we couldn't, we had extra funds. And so what do you do with the extra funds in your business? How do you continue to grow? And so I would have liked to have done into a flip because it would have just been a more secure ROI back. You know, up. you put the money into the flip, you know, your numbers, you know, you're get we're getting deals at 30 cents on the dollar. So, you know, you have plenty of room to mess up and what, that at the end of the day, three, four months, six months down the road, that money is pretty guaranteed that you're at least going to get a nice ROI back. However, when you invest it into marketing and you grow to marketing and then you have your people leave or other issues come in, even though you're getting more leads, if your sales part can't handle stuck, it, you can't handle it. And you just yeah. dumped all this money and now you're not bringing in the ROI. And so that's what ended up happening was, yeah, was I was just, I was put in a position where, I wanted to grow. I need, I was like, I can take this to the moon. Everything was going great. We were flying high, but we got kind of 
funneled into just a wholesaling operation that we needed to do. And so I only had one option was to continue marketing and I wanted to continue to grow. And so we didn't get that ROI back, but we, I kept continuing to put more money in, more money in. And so that was a huge lesson that I learned that you can't always constantly grow in a business. Sometimes you need to grow and then you might need to just take a step back and just let the money sit there and just mm. wait it out or put it into other aspects that are not so that are more of an ROI secured. And that's what flipping would bring you is a secured ROI, unless the market randomly changes in those six months, which you can get, yeah, which could happen. But even in 08, a lot of people don't realize that in 08, the crash really started in like March. And there was a lot of the market dropped for months until September, October, when everybody was like, Hey, what's been going on? Mm. Oh, wow. And so and yeah. then it hits everybody, but because you're in the wholesaling industry, in the real estate industry, you're constantly watching the market. You're constantly seeing where your deals are at, what properties you're constantly. So you're very into the tune of it. So you don't have to worry about a rapid shift into it. You can, it's going to take a few months for it to change. And if you're, if you're aware and paying attention to it and not just saying, Hey, it's going to constantly go up. You you're able to kind of watch it and protect yourself in that end. So that's what I would have done on that. Mm. You know, that's really interesting. It's like I I call it operational risk, where like there is financial risk, but there's operational risk. Like when you get to a point where you're running a team where people leave, something software breaks, something happens. There's risks to those things. It's like no wonder why you you pivoted now. It seems like you've you've learned and solved that problem by having a more um, a business that can pivot easier. You have a smaller team. So if any one person leaves, if any one marketing channel doesn't perform the way you expect, you can make those adjustments and it won't blow up your whole, you know, financial statement. Am I right there? Is that your mindset now? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Now I look at it more on, Hey, how can we be profitable? How can we, you know, now it's like, Hey, this needs to be fixed. So we're gonna, we're not gonna, we're gonna, postpone that expansion later on right because we need to mm. fix it. so a lot of it back then was more of i just need to grow 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 i've never built a business right so imagine just being yourself you've never been around a millionaire you've never been around anybody any business that's worth anything and next thing you know you built a million dollar business this is a concept that when you first started and said hey i want to do this like you know that's the first goal that most most people usually set a six-figure goal and then they just set a million dollar goal and then you reach it, but you don't have the mindset, like you said, the business knowledge of what to do in the as a business or what they teach you on an MBA, how to how to project financial parts. All and I don't see that in the gurus either. You a lot of people is just mm -hmm. technical, technical. How can you get a deal? Boom, boom. How can you build a system? Boom, boom. How can you yeah. build a team? Boom, boom, boom. Hiring, managing, boom, everything. Get you set up. But nobody talks about the long-term sustainability of a business. You don't just get to a million and expect it to just constantly smooth, be a smooth ride. You might hit a million and come back down. And you've got to, you got know, it's all the time. You're, you're, you're fluctuating. You grow slowly. And so that's another thing, too, is I wouldn't look at how I grew overall. I kind of just looked at it at the now, right? So it's like, oh, this month sucked. Instead of looking at it, hey, overall, the past six months, we've actually had a positive 15% growth, right? So let's keep it at that. We don't need to grow. I would just look at it as, hey, this month, we didn't 
we didn't bring as much revenue as we need to. So let's dump more marketing because the marketing's not working instead of looking mm-hmm. at it long term. And so yeah, it's too it's too simple. You're not you're not thinking about enough things. It's too simple. I don't want to say simple minded, but it kind of <laughs> is. You know yeah. what I mean? And and you can't you can't get around it. Like in the long run, there's no way to avoid being. You need to be a successful business person. You need to, as I say, have a CEO mindset. You need to do it. And I think you're a proof of that because you hustled. And you got, you even like, it got to a point where you are grossing over a million dollars and still it wasn't like, because you didn't have the right business skill set, it's still, you could argue was failing, right? You still weren't as profitable. It still ended up shutting it down or pivoting severely. And so no matter how much money you make, if you don't change your mindset to become a CEO, it's going to catch up with you. You will not succeed in the long run. And there's, there's just such a high turnover in the industry. And I just wish I think I, I believe if people knew it, exactly what you're saying, if they knew how to run their business like a CEO, there would be probably a lot less people getting into the business, which is a good thing. And there would be a lot less people crapping out. There'd be a lot less turnover. People treated it the right way, you know? Oh, so, absolutely. Um, you know, me and my CEO talk about this because he, he comes in from the other industry. And so he sees this industry and it shocks him. He's like, oh my God, the things people do here, like you would never see this in, in a more established industry. And he's like, the level of entry to do wholesaling is so low that you just get a lot of people and they don't have that mindset a hundred percent. You know, one of my favorite quotes right now is, Seven-figure earners work on their business. Eight-figure earners work on themselves. And that never really hit me until now because I've spent an entire year working on myself. And my business is so, in, in my life, my business is so much more profitable than the previous years where all I did was focus on my business and building systems and building processes. And so I had that idea and, and it wasn't, like you said, it was simple because I didn't understand the concept overall, right? So I would look at it very short-minded of systems, process. As long as I built operational-wise, as long as I built systems and process and scaled them and scaled them, because that's really what all the gurus teach you, right? Oh, you want to build a system? It's all systems and processes. You want to get a seven figures? It's all systems and processes. But I didn't have the CEO mindset. I didn't take a step back to look at overall, you know, how can I learn more financial and projections uh, and, and financial projections for six, 10 months out, right? Based on where it is, I had, and, and not just that, but like myself, right? How much energy can I bring to the team? What do I, how do you motivate your team? How do you lead your team? How do you encourage your team? How do you listen to them? How do you, you know, how, because there's so many different leadership, um, so many different leadership personalities and types, right? So when I worked at the fire department, I saw all kinds of leadership strategies there, right? I saw the micromanager, you know, I, I saw the power trip person. Military I saw guy, the, right? the military guy. I saw the very relaxed guy. I saw the, and then I, I had, I had lieutenants that were, that would inspire you to want to go into a fire and fucking fight, you know, yeah, later yeah. on your life. Like, I saw so many different leadership types that it did mold me, but a lot of people don't have those experiences. And if you're a micromanager and you have somebody that does not like to micromanage, you're just going to bump heads. And so you need to understand. And so these are the little things that you got to learn. So I like, I read leadership books. I read, you know, um, mindset books. I read spirituality books. So like, you know, Eckhart Tolle, 
a new earth where it just talks about concept of being present being happy and being within yourself um i focus on a lot of meditation manifestation manifestation joe dispenza i, I go through his dis meditations just to listen to how he how, how to do that because what I found is your mindset, once you reach a certain level, your mindset is more important for you to just kind of take a step back as the leader. It's why you don't see CEOs. One thing I made a change too is before everybody, and I find this a lot of times with clients, they sometimes get upset because they don't, they can't talk to me as easily, right? I put a lot of barriers for people to talk to me because, and, because, and I find this a lot in real estate investors, they're so used to being the face of it, the one that does everything, the one that goes to the house to talk to the seller, the one that does, does the negotiations and they do all these things. And then when they come to talk to me, because as the CEO, your job is not to be in the trenches. As a CEO, your job is to have that 30,000 foot view. You're never going to see Jeff Bezos get on the phone with a customer and say, so your order didn't arrive properly. How can I help? Like, that's not, you're not doing that, right? This man's thinking about how he's going to get to the fucking moon, right? These are, as a CEO, your job is concept. Your job is taking a step back and kind of watching it and managing your company. And you're not an operator anymore. So, you know, you got to take those books. You got to read books. You got to talk to people that have a different mindset to get you to another level. Because if you're every single day just stuck in the grind, operational, every just working on that, and you're going you're gonna to burn yourself out. And that's what ended up happening to me too. Because my partners left, I was stuck doing the operational, which is not the best use of me. It, I I can do it, but overall, I need to be on the 30-foot view, just kind of getting reports here, looking at the big picture. Where do we need to, where do we need to take the company now? I know, I don't know why it does that. That's the only <laughs> thing I hate about it. Just randomly like shuts off. It's okay. Uh, um, you know, you gotta take that you gotta take those concepts and and where where are you doing? And I think a lot, like you said, it's the mindset. There's a CEO mindset and it's completely different than an employee mindset. And to reach the next level, if you want to own a business, you have to work on that mindset thing. It's not just, you know, I'm going to out-hustle you. I'm up at 5.30 in the morning and I'm, I'm the last one leaving. Like, that's cool when you're starting out because you need to get into that mode. You've got to put in the work. Like, you can't, you don't, unless you're fucking filthy rich from, from family, when you come in and you want to start this industry or any business, you got to be the one doing the grunt, the work. But eventually, as your business starts growing and expanding, you need to learn how to take a step back. And that's where I've been focusing on for the past year is just doing that. And it's made my business and my life just so much better. Mm -hmm. Dude, I love that, man. So if I'm, and we'll wrap this up here in a few minutes. I know we've been chatting a while. I could probably talk to you for four hours and I'm well, like, we can uh, find you find this for I know, forever. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so, okay, let's say I'm, I'm in the business and I hear what you have to say. I've, I've had the hustler mindset. You know, I keep posting my checks and, and like, you know, I'm making a little bit of money. You know, my parents are proud of me or whatever, but like, I'm, I'm still kind of struggling. What kind of book should I be reading? Or how should I go learn to be a better business person? If I'm taking, you know, becoming a CEO and getting the mindset seriously, how do you recommend someone who does that? Okay. So there's, there's different stages, right? So I, I, I don't want to give just an overall answer because there's so many people in different stages. Look, if you're just doing one or two deals a month, your first goal right now probably is to get to your first six figure month, right? Or, or generate your first six figures. If you've already generating 
a consistent two to three, four deals a month, but you're struggling, right? There's that gap between like 100K a 100K month to the million dollar a year mark, that gap right there. If you're if you haven't hit 100K month yet, you need to be learning, um, working on your business, right? So Traction, one of my favorite books, the Traction series for, to understand how to take a step back. The E-Myth, there's even an E-Myth real estate investors, the E-Myth and to understand. <laughs> <laughs> I love the E-Myth. I, I think the yeah, E-Myth was probably one of my second favorite books because it really, before then I was the the guy in the business. And when the E-Myth came in, it just brought a, an understanding of, hey, start looking at it from from a, from a a 30,000 foot view. And I started incorporating that more into my business. So that book is huge. So if, you, if you're just starting down doing one or two deals, that's one of the top books I say you've got to read. Traction and the E-Myth. You want to learn, you want to start planning on how to uh, expand your business, make it into systems and processes because that's where you're at, right? You're doing the grunt work. You're every single day. You want to start leveraging yourself. You can also start working on your mindset little by little, but you really need to focus on your actual operations and build that. If you're already doing on a consistent basis, two, three, four deals, and you can you're, you have a system, you can predict that that's how much you want to do. You want to start focusing on your on yourself at this point. So you want very good. So the power of now by Eckhart Tolle and A New Earth are great. So the power of now talks about being present. Because what ends up happening is as you start expanding and your business starts growing, you have stress, right? Now you have payroll. Now you have people behind you. Now you have, you, you, you've reached the level of, of comfort in your life that you don't want to let go of. So all these things, what ended up happening to me was I began focused on my business and my family life struggle, you know, my, my social life struggle. Everything just became about building my business and getting back to it. And I got really focused on that. So you want that the power of now is a very good book to to give you a concept of, of enjoy life, be present in the moment. Don't focus too much about where you're going to go in the future and stuff like that, because a lot of it is what you're doing right now is what's most important rather than what you're going to do in the future, because time mm -hmm. doesn't really exist. It's a concept that's created by humanity so that we can understand things uh, and not get lost. Um, other book, The Shoe Dog by Nike. Um, great story at the, you know, when you're reaching that level, I think there's not an entrepreneur that can tell you that, Hey man, I started my business and I became a, a, a hundred million dollar worth. And it was just super easy, right? right. Just, that's the story doesn't work. It doesn't exist. I've yet to hear it. So you just got to understand that you are going to hit a block. You're going to hit a block, how it comes, where it comes, does, you don't know. But that's a good story of resilience, of re letting you know somebody got beat up, struggled, and continued and built this massive company, which is where you can get to as long as you believe. Um, I like, uh, right, you know, those are probably the top books that I would recommend. Uh, let me see. Oh, there's a really great book, The Buddha and the Badass by Vishen Lakayaki. Um, he runs Mind Valley, which is a program that I really, really love. It has a lot of courses from people like that teach you all different concepts, whether it be business, whether it be spirituality, whether it be performance, where it be meditation, yoga, um, 
all these different things from top producing people. So like there's the Prak Choka. I don't know if you know him. He's a great. Yeah, yeah. So he's coming out. There's a there's a course coming out from him. There's a course, uh, an MBA course that teaches you essentially what you will learn in Harvard and in a in a five week course. So that book, Buddha and the Badass, really helped me out in building my team culture. Right. So he talks mm-hmm. about a lot of concepts of how to find your your origin your foundational core values and your company organizational core values and those are that i didn't even know there was a different concept right your actual core values are yourself who you are and that's based on your life experiences who you know for me a lot of it is courage resilience communication right and your business is gonna take these core values in but a lot of people will do a core value that doesn't align with them right you know um you, right. you, can't, you can't do a customer service-based core value if you're not compassionate towards other people. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not a bad or, or, or good thing. It's just, it is what it is. Like, you know, represent who you are. And it, it'll be more, you'll be more sincere and your business will be more sincere that way. Exactly. So it teaches you that, it teaches you concepts of how to create a culture. And so those are other things that you need to work on too, is building business culture, team culture, because your team, your team's happiness is, is the and the end, excuse me, is going to be the long run success for you because people mm. leave. That's what's going to really dictate how well and successful and easy your business is. Because honestly, like for right now, so if my, the, my cold calling service doesn't really service newbies. We're not set up to be for newbies because we're set up for the business owners that have tried it and failed. We're set up for the business mm. owners that are looking to scale and they're like, I can't, I just, I, I hired most of the people that come in that are clients of me. It's the same typical story. Look, man, I've done cold calling. I have a team. My top caller just left for some reason, or they just stopped performing. I can't, I don't want to hire against somebody. I don't want to mo- train somebody. I don't want to manage. And so that's a trap that I got caught up in was the higher fire, higher fire, higher fire trap of where And it hurts your business because, you know, in traction, it talks about higher, slow, fire, fast. But firing is such an easy concept on paper, but it's so hard in real life to do. You got to run the business like you hire slow and fire fast and half the time you're not going to have anyone working for you. Exactly. Exactly. Right. If you come in and this guy isn't producing, you're just like, okay, I can fire him. But now I got to spend time. It's going to take me time to hire somebody else because I got to do interviews. Then I got to do the training with them. And then I got to see if they produce. Then there's a learning curve once they actually learn. And the people don't even understand that, that there's a learning curve. When somebody gets on the phones, they might be a top salesperson, but they got to learn the industry, the business and the process. And that can be, that learning curve can be three months, five months or eight months. And if you don't have that, you know, in the meantime, your business is going to not produce at the top level that it's not used to producing for five, eight months. And that's a concept I didn't even know, right? I thought when the people left, I was like, I'll hire somebody and they'll be producing by next month because I'm that good. Right. I'm good at training, but I can't, you can't force somebody to progress that on their own selves. You can't force somebody to learn the, how right. they learn, right? You got to give them the time. Mm. And so, so, you know, I would bring on people and it'd be, you know, 30 days in and I'm like, all right, they're kind of okay, but you know, it's the 30 days. Let's now we got to give them another 30 days to improve. Right. And you do, um, 
you do improvement plans. Hey man, Hey, let's work on this. Let's do this. And so that's why I get a lot of clients that come in. They're like, dude, I can't do it again. Like I can't focus on my business and the things I want to do because I'm stuck here training this guy over and over again and he's not succeeding. And so you just, that's, that's one of the biggest things I would say. You know, I think that like, is a great example of, of the disconnect of what people think they're getting into versus what they're actually getting into. This is what you're signing up for. When, if you say, I want to, you know, I, I want to have financial freedom long-term in my life from real estate investing or from wholesaling, this is going to be your life. These are the problems you got to deal with. Like your job will get to a point. If you're actually producing enough money to be financially free, your problems are going to be hiring, firing, and dealing with this. Like that is the business. It's not, pick up the phone, you get 100K because you're a great cold caller. That's not what you're signing up for. And what you're saying is, and people don't, there, there comes a point in their business where reality hits them in the face and they realize like, look, this isn't what I signed up for, right? Yeah. This is not what I signed up for. And so you have a cold calling service. You say that is how people can, can get around that. You say a little bit like they can sign up with you and therefore they don't have to worry about hiring, firing. They mm -hmm. can just pay you and then you'll basically deal with that stress, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we run we run cold callers and lead managers too. So we have a couple of clients where we do the lead manager and they're like, look, I just can't do the follow-up, but I love closing. I'm I'm the I'm, I like enjoy actually closing and talking to sellers. So, you know, that's another thing that you gotta understand. And that's how people come in. Mm -hmm. Um, that's how the service, you know, come in. We just we just it's like, look, man, we'll do it for you. We'll just feed you the leads. You focus on the other parts of your business that you like that or that you want to focus on all you got to do is just don't even worry about managing we're literally just producing leads for you on a consistent basis and we'll qualify all the lead and then the lead managers will just qualify leads over and over and over again so you're not on the phone with a lot of times people don't succeed because they look at it and they're like oh my god i gotta call 50 people today you know and that's just mm -hmm. a daunting task what yeah. if you just focused an hour or two and call three to five people because the these are your, yeah, these are your actual leads that are really good to convert. And so, um, you know, let your lead manager deal with the, all the leads. And then you, you look at it and you're like, okay, I got two calls today. That's easy. You can bring yourself up to want to do that and enjoy that. So, yeah. I think that's just understanding, you know, who you are as a business person what, and basically do what you enjoy doing and try to outsource the rest. And that's the same reason why people hire us for PPC. Like they don't want to go and learn it. They don't want to go and do it. It's a completely different animal from cold calling, but there are similar uh, stresses and bottlenecks people don't want to deal with. So they hire it out and there's nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You can do it internally. People can do their own cold calling. No, there's no better or worse situation. It's just understanding yourself, trying to outsource what you don't want to deal with. And if you don't want to deal with the stress of learning PPC, you don't want to deal with the stress of hiring, firing cold callers. There are services out there like Christians that can help you. It makes sense to me. Um, so, you know, we'll wrap this up here. Do you have any other kind of final thoughts that you want to throw out about anything I didn't cover? We covered a lot, but there's so much to cover. Any other type of things that you, you want to say here before we wrap it up? Um, honestly, the, the last thing I would honest, I would tell people, anybody that is in this industry and that is struggling right now is you truly have to make a promise and a commitment to yourself. I remember when I made this, when I started this, I promised to myself that I would either die or I would make it. Those were the only two options. You know, there's a, there's a clip of, of Will Smith where he talks about, he says, if you get on the treadmill 
you I will you will either die I will either die or you will just walk off the treadmill. And that is the mindset that you got to have into business. And I think a lot of people don't they they come in as like ah oh, let me try this out this is gonna be fun and then they 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 don't have the immediate success and they pull back it's like oh this isn't gonna work. You have to commit to want to either succeed or die. I'm dead ass serious. You got to make that promise to yourself that either I will die or I will make this shit happen. And I promise you, if you make that true commitment in your soul, not just say it, but truly sit down with yourself and, and make that promise, you will succeed because that is how the universe works. What you, I've manifested everything in my life and anything and anything I want, I can make it happen and anybody can make it happen. But you got to have that level of commitment, right? If you're just coming in and you're saying, uh, let me check this out. If it works, I'll make it. If it doesn't, uh, you know, I'll, figure, I'll, I'll try something else. If you come in with that mindset, you're going to hit a wall. You're going to be struggling and you're going to want to quit. And just remember that it's okay to take a step back. It's not linear. It's more of a roller coaster. So you're going to have highs and you're going to have low. I've been taking a step back for a year a year where I haven't really gone hard into my business, where I've, I've just been putting in a little bit of hours into my business. Now I'm in a position where I have a team that is able to run that, but I, I also, you also need to be able to focus on that and pay that attention and just know that, Hey, it's not your time right now. You know, I tell people this, this is one of the biggest concepts is you, you're right where you need to be. If I hadn't, if I hadn't had those two years where I learned ROI, where I learned what a cap rate is, where I learned how to analyze properties, I wouldn't have been as successful as quickly when I finally got that opportunity to work for somebody else. Even though it wasn't my company, it helped me out so much because I didn't have to spend money on marketing. I had great mentors that would at least that showed me how to do the transactional part of the business, which is something that a lot of people don't know. They get a deal and then they sell it, but they don't know how to manage the transaction. And then there's so many things that can come in and it's, you got to become like a, you got to finesse it a lot of times. And so a lot of the things that you're going through right now are actually learning lessons to set you up for the future so that you can succeed even better. So don't just quit because it gets hard. You've got to commit to it. You've got to make it a promise. And you got to either quit or fucking die. you got to either make it or you're going to die. One of the two. And if you make that self yourself a promise, I promise you, you will succeed. Because that is, you You literally said, this is my only option. Burn the fucking ships, man. Burn the fucking ships. And and, and just go for it, man. It's, it's going to be hard. You're going to fail. You're going to struggle. But you're eventually going to succeed. And even better. Look, right now, the life that I'm living is the life that I manifested nine years ago. This is the life that I envisioned in, in it's not the ultimate life that I want, but nine years ago when I was saying, Hey, where do I want to go? I said, I want to own my first house. I want to be, uh, I want to own my first house. I definitely want to be making at least six figures a year. I want to be able to travel. I want to be with my wife. I want to be present with my kids. I wanted the time freedom, right? That was my first goal was my time freedom. I want to be able to buy whatever I want, whenever I want go wherever I want and do whatever I want with nobody. And that's literally the life I'm, I'm living right now. So now it's a new level. Now we get to focus on, okay, I'm in a great place right now. Let's bring more abundance in. Where are we going to go? Now I'm focusing on let's bring in eight-figure connections. I got to meet people who get to eight figures. I want to go on yachts. I want to go on a private 
airplane jet trips, right? But if you ain't even flying first class, how do you expect to do a PJ? Yeah, you can do a PJ one time, but can you do it consistently, right? Mm. You can do it for the gram. I can I can rent out a PJ for one time, <laughs> take pictures on it, you know? But can I make that my everyday travel whenever I want to go? No, that's what I want to do. I want to make that my everyday travel. Fuck going commercial. I want to go on a PJ every time I fly, even if it is down to Miami, you know? Yeah, yeah. But there's levels to it, right? So now I'm manifesting that kind of life and I have the life that I manifested nine years. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get there, but right. it's exciting. It's fun. That's you know, the thing. To- you, don't, you don't know how long it's going to take, right? You, you can manifest it and it, like you say, it will come true, but you don't know when. It could be one year, it could be 10 years and you just have to keep on the train, not give up until it happens. That's what I'm hearing from you, right? Yep, absolutely. Dude, that's inspirational, man. I'm pumped up, man. This is, this is great. <laughs> when you mentioned Will Smith, uh, people know, dude, that guy's my idol. It may sound random, but he's got so much stuff. If you haven't checked out his, um, he's had a couple of good interviews recently he, with uh, Jay Shetty. I don't know really? if you know who Jay Shetty is. Oh, um, absolutely. I follow him. I follow him on Instagram. I haven't seen it, that interview though. You, It's on YouTube. It's like an hour and a half. It's like probably two months old, but check it out. I think you'll really like it. If you're quoting Will Smith and I, you know, you're in Eckhart Tolle, like you'll like this interview. So it's really good. Um, good. Check it out, man. But yeah, I, I appreciate it. Christian, if someone wanted to um, find your cold calling services, you want to plug, like, how do they do it? Where do they go to find it? Yeah, you can go to, you can go to our website. It's www.leadgenautomation.net. Uh, in there, it is just a map. It's just, you can put in your information. We'll send you all our pricing, our services, and then you can book a call with me and I can answer any questions for it. It's a very good done for you service. It's pretty much a, uh, we take care of everything. All you got to do is just give us the list. We will then just integrate with your system and give you the leads. And it's really just a, a very powerful lead generation system in there. So, um, anybody wants to reach out to that, they can do that. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram's Christian Marin underscore official, or you can just send me a message on Facebook, Christian Marin. Um, in any way, check this guy out on Facebook, man. This guy posts real stuff. There's a lot of fake ass shit out there, but I don't think Christian is one of them. That's why I wanted to have him on the podcast, dude. I appreciate you on here. I hope we can do this again. I think there's still so much stuff that you said. I didn't get a dive into, but we don't got five hours. No one has the attention span to listen to that for five hours. So We'll have to have you on again, dude. I, I really appreciate your sure, time. And, and I think you brought a lot of value today. So thank Thanks, you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, man. I, I'm glad I am glad I got to be here and speak because I think this is a subject that not a lot of people talk about. And so I think it needs some, a lot more um, it, eyes on it and people to understand it and I hope a lot of people. Yeah. Let's get the word out. Let's get the word out. Thanks, for sure, man. Bro. Awesome.